This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Happy birthday to you. Hey, where's mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means there's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So, can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now... Fight back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Tomorrow marks the one-year anniversary of pot legalization in Canada. And given that we'll be going to the polls in a few days, it's worth remembering that this is widely seen as the promise that won a majority government for the Liberals in 2015. However, like we really did not hear very much about it on the trail this time around, even though the rollout of legalization has been spotty and problem-plagued, especially here in Ontario, with supply shortages and problems with the supply, delays in legal store op- openings, and no let-up in the fierce competition with the black market. There are also plenty of issues around driving while high and Canadians who've been barred from the United States after admitting that they have smoked pot legally or otherwise, this decade or years and years ago. I'd like to hear from you. Uh, Is this an issue for you? Do you think it's been a good thing, a bad thing, indifferent? The numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And now I'm joined by Michael Armstrong, who's an associate professor at the Goodman School of Business at Brock University, and Omar Khan, who is the National Cannabis Sector Lead with Hill and Knowlton Strategies. Welcome to you both. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Okay, let's start with Omar. Uh, just uh, a report card one year on. Yeah, so I would give it a, a generous B-. minus. Look, uh, we are looking at the biggest public policy change, uh, I think, uh, at the federal level, at least uh, in the last 100 years. Uh, so, of course, uh, you know, there, it, nothing is going to roll out perfect. There have been some challenges, particularly in the early stages around supply. The retail rollout uh, in some provinces, like Ontario, has been spotty. Um, and, you know, and, 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 and certain players in the industry are, are facing, you know, questions about, you know, their governance practices and whatnot. That being said, this is an industry that's added $8 billion to the GDP of this country, and is currently employing between uh, nine and ten thousand Canadians from coast to coast. Uh, so, you know, by and large, I think it, it's been it's been positive. There's some learnings for sure uh, uh, over the last uh, year or so. Uh, so, plenty of room for improvement. But at the end of the day, it's been a net benefit to Canada. Dr. Michael Armstrong, uh, do you agree with that? Yes, uh, I I use terms like limited success, qualified success. Uh, is certainly a success. We have legal cannabis. We have an industry. We have retailers. Uh, there's been lots of problems. So I wouldn't call it a, uh, 
a roaring success, but uh, it's definitely a step forward. Uh, the challenges the industry has faced over the last year, uh, we've had a shortage of product, although that is uh, now resolving itself since spring. Uh, we've had a shortage of enough retail stores uh, in most provinces, uh, except here in Ontario. That is uh, also looking much better. So going forward in next year, I think the challenge of the industry will be to compete with the black market more directly, uh, particularly on price and on product quality. Let's talk about uh, that a bit, Omar. So the, the advent of legal marijuana didn't seem to stop illegal marijuana. And here in Toronto, we've seen, you know, dispensaries blocked in with cement blocks while they're operating <laughs> brazenly, uh, you know, in, in an illegal way, uh, even though marijuana is legal. And, and why the big price difference? So, well, one of the things policymakers will need to look at in in the next year um, is how to convince about. There's about ten percent of of, ca- of cannabis users who account for about eighty percent of consumption, and and that ten percent has been particularly inclined, I think, uh, to remain loyal to the illicit market. So, so what public policy decisions must be made uh, to convince that cohort to shift? Uh, to the legal market. I think it's partly, uh, it'll, it, partly it'll be alleviated by the fact that new product lines, uh, like edible and, and edible infused, and, uh, edible and infused products and extracts will be coming online in the next couple of months. So, so the products that they want will be more readily available. Part of it is expanding, uh, the footprint, uh, uh or the, the retail storefront footprint, particularly in provinces like Ontario, uh, you know, where currently there is, I think, uh, just under 50 licenses out there. It'll, it's soon to expand slightly, uh, probably going to expand a lot further under a different, uh, more, more liberalized regulatory regime, uh, in the new year, I would imagine. Uh, so there, there's a number of tools out there that policymakers have. You know, you, you, you spoke about price today. You know, the province of Quebec announced that they're actually going to come out with a minimum price uh, of, of just over four dollars in an effort, uh, four dollars a gram, in an effort to get to tackle the illicit market. There's a number of tools uh, at the disposal of policymakers. It's just a question of taking a, a holistic approach and realizing that you know it's not going to happen in a day. This is going to be a this is going to be a long term strategy to. Uh, to drive out the illicit market. Uh, isn't the price, I, I'm not sure what it is, is it $8 a gram on the legal market? That depends well, on the uh, province you're in. Uh, each province has got its own pricing policies. Uh, Quebec has been in the lead on that, whereas the rest of Canada, you're, you see uh, dry cannabis priced uh, typically like $9, 10 a gram and up. Quebec has uh, been, you've been able to get it below $8 a gram, and so the recent announcement of uh, $4.49 a gram, uh, plus, of course, sales tax, is a, a big step forward, uh, given that uh, black market prices are often quoted around $5 a gram. So it's putting it much more uh, directly in competition. I mean, you know, when you think about it, if, if somebody has been uh, getting their pot from that guy they know and there are shortages and it's a lot more expensive, you know, why would they stop doing that? Yeah, and you also want to make sure that the uh, that the, the both the in store experience, but also the online experience, is what consumers you know have are, are used to in this day and age. Right? Like I, I can go on Amazon today, and really, if I have Amazon Prime, I can I can you know with the, with a click of a button, I can almost order anything 
uh, and it's at my house within 48 to 72 hours. You know, I would challenge anyone to compare the the experience or the user experience of the current online portal for the Ontario Cannabis Store, uh, you know, to the Amazon experience. So we got to we got to we got to bring the online channels out of the 1990s and and, and into modern times. And I think there's ways to do that. And I, you know, in, in terms of having having regulators and provincial retailers like the OCS uh, find ways to partner uh, with private sector partners who perhaps have a little bit more experience. Uh, in terms of online sales. Okay, I'd like to give the numbers out again. I'd like to hear from people. Uh, did you uh, try pot again because it was legalized? Did uh, You know, whatever your thoughts are, it, it is kind of a milestone anniversary. And do you agree with Omar's assessment that this is the biggest public policy change that we've seen in 100 years? Is it is it something that big? The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 866 744 740. And I'd like to pick up on something that Omar said, and that is that 10% of consumers uh, being using 80% of the product. So that means they're not casual users. I mean, that almost signals a problem to me, Dr. Michael Armstrong. Uh, well, the extent to which it's a problem is, is something I'm afraid you have to address to some of the more healthcare uh, background. Uh, but that kind of market segmentation uh, is not surprising. You've got uh, a variety of different users. Uh, some just want occasional. Some are uh, habitual users. Um, and again, depending whether they're looking for just mild relaxation or a heavy buzz, uh, you're going to get different market segments. So it is important for the legal industry to have products uh, and prices that address that. But of course, uh, government has to balance that with uh, health care and other policy issues. Uh, Omar, what are the different segments? Like, what are, what's the relationship of, uh, first of all, you know, occasional recreational users versus habitual users? And, and also, how does it break down demographically? Is it younger people? Is it baby boomers uh, who have basically remember smoking pot when they were teenagers? Who, who is uh, indulging? So the one thing that's that's very interesting, if you look at various, if you look at some of the different data points that are out there for public consumption, is that it's pretty clear that overall cannabis consumption since legalization in this country hasn't gone up that much. Uh, it's really the people who were using it previously. Uh, some of them have 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 uh, have moved over uh, to to the legal market. Not not everyone, as we discussed previously. But that's basically what's happening. So there's very few new uh, consumers coming into the market. You know, we were talking about the, uh, you know, that 10% cohort. Uh, you know, we classify those as the, you know, the daily and, 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 and or weekly, weekly consumers. Uh, and look, you know, there's a lot of people in this country who may come home after a hard day's work and have a glass of Chardonnay. Um, and, you know, that's considered fine by society. Uh, there are a lot of people in this country who come home and, you know, decide uh, to have uh, a little bit of cannabis oil to help take the edge off. There's, you know, it, it, there are various different types of products out there on the market. Uh, you know, they're divided by uh, by strains, by different terpene profiles, all of that. Uh, I think as 
you know, we, we progress with legalization, there will be more of a normalization in terms of consumption, in terms of responsible consumption. Uh, and, you know, people, you know, we, we, we won't face necessarily the same stigma uh, that has been out there in the past. And uh, do is, is there enough knowledge out there, Dr. Armstrong, about the different strains and how exactly they affect users? No, uh, that's something that we're very lacking is uh, because cannabis has been illegal, uh, it's been very difficult to do research uh, on its, uh, the plant biology, on the uh, healthcare medical aspects, uh, psycho- psychological impacts. Particularly in the United States, uh, research is uh, where you typically see most medical research coming from. Uh, there's been almost none because it's been almost uh, impossible to do. So since the legalization here in Canada, we've seen uh, a great increase in interest from researchers. Uh, here at my own university, Brock University, uh, I went to a session where I saw uh, quite a few of our uh, well-established uh, chemical and biology professors uh, very interested in studying cannabis because from a scientific perspective, it's almost brand new, although it's been around a very long time. Uh, there's been almost no studies, so there's lots of opportunities. Uh, but that's something that will take time. But it's also something that is uh, one of the beneficial side effects of legalization is it's now much easier to do that kind of study. Even something as simple as a survey of cannabis users is now much easier to do because people don't have to worry about uh, legal ramifications of admitting to cannabis use. Uh, whereas before, just even asking somebody if they use cannabis uh, was difficult to do and get accurate answers. Well, I, I, w- I would encourage I would encourage those listeners who, who have an interest in learning more about the different types of strains and strain profiles out there uh, to check out a website called leafly.ca. Uh, they've got some lab-tested data there as well as user-generated reviews uh, and a pretty user-friendly platform, uh, so that might be worth checking out as well. Uh, I, I don't want to really get into medical cannabis just because it's been legal for longer. And my understanding is that now Canada is the world leader in research on cannabis. Is that right? Still? Uh, in terms of medical research, uh, Israel has actually uh, got quite a lot. They've had uh, not a big uh, research effort, but they've, they've had several professors there studying for quite a long time. Uh, but it's only relatively recently they've actually started uh, prescribing it. So Canada is probably ahead of Israel in uh, prescri- prescribing it, actually using it for medical purposes. Uh, but Israel is one of the countries that uh, has done a lot of research. Yeah. Um, we are making headway, though. I know the, the St. Joseph's Healthcare in Hamilton has a program underway with uh, Hamilton Health Sciences, sorry, with uh, McMaster University, uh, to look at uh, potential alternative uh, uses uh, for uh, for cannabis products in in in, in combating uh, the opioids crisis. And I know a number of the larger uh, hospital systems in Toronto uh, are also looking at perhaps moving forward with creating uh, research centers of excellence uh, in the space. So we, we, we are a bit slow to the game. Uh, I agree, you know, places like Israel are, 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 have been a little bit ahead of us, but we are catching up. Uh, yeah. Um, and again, uh, you know, we talk about medical cannabis on occasion here, and uh, it's a different beast, I would say. So uh, talking about the recreational stuff, uh, let's take a couple of calls. Let's go to, uh, I'm having a little trouble with the phones here. Um, I'd like to go to Suzanne in Sutton West. 
Okay, we'll keep talking to our guests here while we sort that out. Um, so, uh, you haven't seen a an increase in in total consumption, and I remember the wild west of uh, cannabis stocks and uh, everything that uh, was going along with that. Uh, you know the huge valuations for cannabis companies. Uh, is that settling out, Omar? Yeah, well, I think we've seen a uh, more recently we've seen a market correction after after some of that initial euphoria and initial frenzy. Look, the 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 industry is here to stay, and it's in it, and it will continue to grow. Uh, I think uh, what a lot of the savvy investors are doing now is taking a look at you know the landscape where you have you know close to three hundred federally licensed producers. Uh, and there's probably, you know, going to be a, a fair bit of industry consolidation over the coming months and years. Uh, and the, the companies that play it smart, so the companies that, you know, take, uh, that realize that, you know, the, the, the retail sales in Canada are important, but they're only a small piece of their overall, uh, strategy. The, you know, the companies that, that look to, uh, medical market expansion in places like Europe, Latin America, and other international markets that are likely to open up uh, for for medical use or in the near future, you know, those are the companies that are gonna uh, that are gonna reach profitability, I think, quickly uh, and and maintain it in a sustainable fashion over time. Okay, and uh, wh- what about you know is is uh, is the frenzy over the the pot stocks is that over? No, I think that's going to continue uh, with ups and downs until the industry stabilizes a bit more. Um, you know, conventional investors uh, look for okay, what's your income level? What's your dividend? Uh, what's your track record? Well, the industry is so new that none of that really exists yet. Uh, so I think you're going to see a lot of ups and downs on the market uh, for at least another year or two until uh, the industry itself stabilizes. Okay, I am going to try again to uh, take one of our calls. No. Um, callers, please hang on. We are uh, trying to sort out the problem on the lines. Uh, please hang on. Uh, right now, I'm talking to Omar Khan and to Dr. Michael Armstrong, who's an associate professor at the Goodman School of Business. Uh, we're talking about the one-year anniversary of cannabis legalization here in Canada. And I'm wondering, we haven't heard a thing about it during this election campaign. Omar, do you have any theories about why that would be? Uh, well, yeah. Um, because uh, uh, cannabis legalization remains uh, highly controversial and uh, and quite frankly unpopular amongst some key electoral demographics. Uh, so particularly if you take a look at the Chinese Canadian and South Asian Canadian communities, which tend to be concentrated uh, in and around the greater Toronto area and the greater Vancouver area, uh, you know there is still a great deal of angst. I, I was talking uh, with a with a mayor. Uh, from a municipality in Ontario that chose to opt out of retail cannabis sales a few days ago, and she was telling me uh, that uh, you know people people showed up in front of their city hall with gas masks, uh, saying that you know if, if they went ahead with with cannabis sales in this municipality, that potentially you know that they were going to make their kids wear these gas masks. So there is a lot of hysteria out there, and it, it, it tends to be concentrated in the same geographic locations. 
that are dominating the electoral, you know, battle right now in terms of where we're a good chunk of some of those swing ridings uh, that all three of the main parties, the, the Conservatives, Liberals, and NDP, are fighting over. Uh, you know, that it, it just happens to be that where the greatest angst exists uh, is is where the main parties uh, need to win. Uh, the bulk of the riding. So we're talking about the BC Lower Mainland in BC and and, and GTA ridings in and around Toronto, like uh, Markham, Richmond Hill, uh, Brampton, Mississauga. Uh, so that's really why, uh, if, if you if you wanted in a nutshell, it, it, it's electoral politics. There's nothing to be gained and a lot to be lost uh, if you're if you're one of the three main parties from talking about cannabis. Okay, uh, let's take a call from Suzanne in Sutton West. Hi, Suzanne. Hi, Libby. Um, I want to say I enjoy your program. Thanks very much. Um, And this topic is very close to my heart. I heard some words being associated with cannabis, uh, the businesses and uh, hysteria uh, reactions. And I take great exception to that because when you are at the level of dealing with somebody who's addicted and whose life has gone totally off the rails, then none of those words come into play. A business, a money grab, and it's upsetting. And the reason I say that is that because when Justin Trudeau legalized it, he did not know all the ramifications and the the effects that cannabis can have on a person's brain. It actually kills brain cells, and that is not worth a money grab. I'm sorry. People's lives are at stake. They go off the rails. They end up on streets. It's like the opioid crisis. I well, mean, I, 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 I'm not sure that that's the case. Suzanne, I know where you're coming from. Thanks for your call. Um, interesting. Uh, a lot of people feel that way, though uh, there is there's there's no indication that I've seen that the amount of addiction has gone up. There is some driving under the influence of cannabis. Um, Dr. Michael Armstrong, what would you say to Suzanne? Well, the uh, again, the medical aspect is something I, I don't have any expertise on, but in terms of uh, overall use, as you say, um, the Statistics Canada survey suggests uh, the percentage of Canadians who report uh, having used cannabis has only gone up very slightly from just under 15% to just over 16%. Uh, and even that small increase, uh, at least part of this, is probably due to just people being more willing to report. I'm willing to admit they use cannabis. Uh, if you look at the uh, young adult uh, age category, you know the kind of the age group that shows up in my university classes, for example, uh, cannabis use uh, both before and after legalization is up around 30, 33 percent. So that's a, a relatively large uh, segment of Canadians who currently use it. So I, uh, there absolutely are uh, advantages and disadvantages uh, to legalization, but I think to a large extent. It's just uh, accepting the fact that people do use it, um, and hopefully one of the benefits of legalization is that for the small percentage of people who do become addicted and do develop uh, medical problems, it's now easier to get uh, to seek treatment. It's not as stigmatized, and we can have more research uh, to learn about the effects of cannabis on the body, on the brain. It's about, it's about 8%, from what I understand, it's about 8% of regular users who will develop a physical addiction. 
Uh, and if you compare that to alcohol, that's about 30%. And with nicotine, it's about 80%. So there is a misnomer out there that the cannabis use is not addictive. It can be addictive to a small proportion of the population. You know, and I, and I do agree um, uh, with those who say that particularly youth under the age of 25, uh, the impact of regular use on, on the brain's development uh, can be negative. But if you do look at uh, the, the, the data that is out there, it does appear that for casual use in adults over the age of 25, there is no evidence at this time of long-term detrimental impact. Okay, uh, let's take a call from Sherry in Oakville. Hi, Sherry. Hello? Sherry? Hmm. Hi, Libby. Can Hi. you hear me okay? Yes, I can. And you work in the cannabis industry. I do. Yes, I do. So I work for a Canadian manufacturer. We're a market leader in um, designing and manufacturing large extraction machines that actually pull the cannabis oil or the hemp oil. And? Sorry, I wasn't sure if you could hear me. Yes. So my point is, I'm very much in favor for the, obviously, the cannabis and the hemp um, industry to be in my country, but really for the, for the reasons of being what the revenues are bringing into our country, for the jobs that it's bringing into our country. I mean, that alone we can't ignore. It's not perfect. Nothing is. There's still going to be concerns years out. But where would we have been as a country if we had blocked the alcohol industry from being in our country years and years ago. The same things hold true for the alcohol industry years ago. It made people go crazy. They do crazy things. It's addictive. You know, it can kill people. You well, know, we had they, prohibition. Exactly. So if we had blocked that from our country, what would we, where would we be today? Cannabis and hemp is, is just another form of that, right? And there's concern because, you know, it's the unknown for a lot of people. There's so much information available to our Canadian country to, that people can learn and read more and more about it. At the end of the day, I think it's still just a fear of the unknown, but it's going to bring so much goodness, I believe, to our country. And yeah, there's going to be addiction issues. There's going to be this and that, as there is with, you know what, NyQuil on a shopper's counter can do that for people. So... You know, I just, my point is I'm very much in favor. I'm listening to people saying, oh my goodness, I'm concerned about it's going to do this and it's going to do that. If you read back into the years of history about alcohol in Canada, it was the same fear. So I, I'm just saying I'm very much in favor of, it, favor of it and I'm very excited about what it's going to do for revenues and jobs. Okay. Thanks, Sherry. Thanks. Let's, let's go to Bill in Toronto. Hi, Bill. Hi. Omar, uh are you affiliated with the Liberal Party in any way, shape, or form? Yeah, I, uh, I, um, I have, I have worked uh, with, at Queens Park for a number of years. I worked um, uh, for a number of cabinet ministers under Dalton McGuinty and Kathleen Wynne, and I worked on the previous provincial Liberal campaign. Uh, I am a Liberal Party member, but I am not working currently uh, on the federal campaign. Okay, I, I just didn't know whether the listeners knew that, but I, I'll tell enough. you. My experience with it is I got Bob, my uh, back neighbor, who lives like on the, the, the back of my house on the other side of the street. And my neighbors for 20 years have come over to my place to go and to buy pot from Bob over the fence. And you know what? <laughs> this hasn't changed anything. My neighbors come over, we sit down on Saturday night, and Bob hands them their bag of weed over the fence. And this is, uh, well, 
And you too? Right downtown Toronto, but it, it's in Toronto. It's very close to downtown. So you're. So as all I'm saying is, government gets into this stuff. Now we're talking studies on this, studies on that. You can't get enough government. You're putting Bob out of business. Well, apparently you're not. You want to put Bob out of business. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, well, so- here in Ontario, we have this particular problem that our provincial government has uh, been very slow to open uh, retail stores. And what we've seen in other provinces is uh, cannabis consumers much prefer to buy in-store rather than online. So uh, the provinces that have the largest number of retail stores per capita have generally gotten the most success at bringing users into the legal market. So, so uh, Ontario really needs to catch up on that uh, with a lot more stores. The conservatives are just like every other government, every level of government. Everything they try and do is way overpriced, very inefficient, and usually uh, it lends the, the, the least return for, on the dollar, right? Okay, Bill. I think we know where you're coming from. <laughs> Enjoy your neighbor. Thanks for your call. Okay, let us take one more. Wanda in Georgetown. Hi, Wanda. Hi, how are you today? Fine, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I've just been listening to your bit of your conversation there, and I'm a regular user. I've been smoking for 40 years. I wouldn't say it's addictive, but I find it, I use it like I'm for medicinal purposes versus taking an antipsychotic or um, like a pill for your nerves. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, I would rather smoke a joint versus having a drink of alcohol. Alcohol has severe effects versus smoking marijuana. I believe so anyway, after smoking for 40 years. You know, like I see people doing, now I'm not talking about marijuana is okay. The other drugs that are out there that are highly addictive and they are deadly and they're antipsychotic for what it does to people. But in my mind, marijuana relaxes the mind and it keeps you at a, at, a, at a, just at a nice even pace. Okay. I just wanted to say, because I, I, I don't agree with people saying that marijuana is going to cause people to do crazy things. I don't. Obviously, some people do get addicted, but it's not a majority. And uh, Wanda, I can see that you're happy with legalization. And thank you very much for your call. All right. Thank you. You have a great day. You too. Bye bye. Bye. Okay. We are just about out of time on this. What would you like to leave us with, Dr. Michael Armstrong? Looking forward to next year, we've got edibles, uh, drinks, uh, all sorts of new products coming online gradually. Uh, that's going to help the legal industry because right now that's a, a hole in their product line. So that will move them a step forward. Uh, the industry itself, I think, has to improve the quality of its product. Uh, and uh, provinces have to work with industry to drop the price. Here in Ontario, we really need more stores uh, and a clearer strategy on how those are going to open. Omar Khan? Canada has an opportunity here uh, to become a world leader, to, to, to use our experience to establish ourselves as a center of excellence here. We see that in uh, New Zealand, for example, uh, later this week, they're, host- they're holding a referendum on cannabis legalization. We know that in Germany, cannabis is available at every pharmacy uh, on the government's national pharmacare plan. So this is a huge opportunity for Canada, for Canadians, for for Canada's economy and for jobs in this country, and we shouldn't let it go. Okay. 
Thank you both so much, Omar Khan and Dr. Michael Armstrong. Goodbye. Happy birthday to you. Hey, Bye. where's mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means there's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So, can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.